Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. So that said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hey everyone, it's Michael here. And in today's episode, I want to do a case study of how publishing, whether it's a book or chapter can significantly positively transform your career. Now, if you follow the programs we have and you follow all of our episodes and podcasts and articles and so on, you know I go into a significant amount of detail in partnership memoir and rebuilding a consulting practice where I talk about my career. There's videos, you can see all the projects I've worked on and so on. But I also go further. When most people talk about their careers, they only tell you the good things they did. They don't tell you about the mistakes, they don't tell you about the errors. But you need to know the mistakes and errors that happened so you know how to recover from them. But because I do that, I also do not divulge the names of the companies I worked for and the clients I served because I obviously don't want to embarrass them. But I want to be able to provide you information that's materially useful to your career. So what I'm going to do in today's episode, I'm going to break down how I used publishing to have a significant impact on my career. So you can see how it's done, and I'll go into some details of the mechanics and so on. So when you are thinking about whether to write a book or a chapter, you can see the impact that it can have. As a starting point, for those of you who have followed me, you know that I started off in the resources sector just before the commodity super cycle took off, before China really started growing significantly. And at this time, the resources sector was not a prestige sector to be a member of. Today, in many parts of the world, if you're a member of the resources practice of the, any consulting firm or prestigious law firm, investment bank, and so on, you're going to be paid a lot of money and you're going to be in demand. But when I started, the resources sector was not seen as a place where you built an astonishing career. Some people called us knuckle draggers, and it was obviously meant as an insult. They laughed about it. But the truth is, we were not a major revenue generator for the firm. Resources companies were, were not a significant portion of the GDP overall, the clients we served. We weren't bringing in fees, we weren't bringing in premium fees, and there were there just wasn't enough work for us to be a major sector or team within the, the global partnership. But I stayed there, and I was very excited about the work I was doing. I liked the companies I was serving, and I was so excited about it that someone went and told the head, global managing partner, the, the most senior partner responsible for the resources practice that you gotta meet Michael. The guy has a lot of ideas, he wants to do many interesting things you got to see him. And the resources partner set up a coffee with me, a coffee meeting with me. I remember this very clearly. It was about four o'clock, I think, on a Friday evening. And we ended up speaking for, I think, two and a half hours. And I was talking about all these things we want to do and all the things we should be doing and how we can serve clients. But I was so excited about this. He couldn't believe that someone in the resources practice was not trying to leave the practice, but was actually excited about building things. He got so excited about this that he put me in touch with his PR team, with the marketing team, and said, hey, there's a guy called Michael. He's got some ideas. Can you help him? Now, lesson here. Every company in the world wants the employees to write things, whether it's an article or book, that said company can use to further its business goals. If you are excited, if you want to write, people will support you. That's a fact. Now, how much they can support you is debatable, but people will support you. So one of the things that I noticed is that, and this is the lesson here, is that by having this enthusiasm 
it got the firm excited because people when people think about publishing they think about themselves and they think about clients but to serve clients and to be a successful professional you need a team behind you so you got to mobilize galvanize energize a team so what happened here is that the senior partner got really excited he started introducing me to other people even before i did anything then i started showing him some of the things i was doing so what did i do right i started sending these memos to clients that's it memos they weren't very long if you to print out the memo it's maybe a page to two pages so many people say well i've got to write something 15 20 pages look if you want to write something that that should be said in 15 and 20 pages that's fantastic but anything you can say in 15 and 20 pages you can say it in one page because you can always summarize things and then you can add more details and more explanations in 15 and 20 pages but you should start by writing out these short memos so i'd write these short memos and i'd send it to clients and what would happen here is that the clients would get very excited about it. When I get to the end, I explain to you the mechanics of how I did this. Right now, I want to focus on the impact on the firm. So what happened is that the firm took all of my memos. I sat down with someone and they helped me write it out a little bit. But I did all the writing. They did the editing, right? Because I have a unique way of writing my style and I like my style. They published it into two books. Not books that could be sold anywhere, but books that only were available for clients. So two books. A collection of essays I put together on major issues in the resources sector. Not available in bookstores, only available to clients. Now, you can imagine the pride for the members of the resources practice because the resources practice is usually in the emerging markets offices with the exception of maybe Canada, Australia and London. It's usually in the emerging markets offices and there's not a lot of material that's published for these offices for their specific client needs. Usually they are repurposing and repackaging things from London, New York, and Boston, catering for issues in those countries. So here's a book that comes out, written by one of their own, and it's catering for issues that their clients care about. So immediately, you know, the London office placed an order for 10,000 books. The Sao Paulo office placed an order for 6,000 books. You know, all these emerging markets offices, Moscow and so on, started placing orders. Because they want the book. They have something that's written for their clients about their clients' needs, right? But more important things happened here. Because I was the only person writing so extensively, I started setting the agenda and focus for the practice. Because if you think about it, right, if a partner in Moscow wants to impress their client, they'll take a book written by someone in the firm and they'll give it to that client. That client will look at it. They may not read the whole thing, but they'll look at it. And they'll say, wow, you know, there's a lot about risk here in balance sheets. And I never thought about that. So, so, so let's talk about risk in balance sheets. So what's happened here? Because of what I'm writing about, where I'm focusing, I set the focus for the practices. And the partner in Moscow who maybe doesn't have any expertise in risk of balance sheets and risk in strategy says, oh, well, I got to call up someone who knows this because the client is asking about it. Who do you think they call up? Well, they call up me because I'm the author. And this is the thing you've got to understand. I did this when I was a, what you would call today a senior associate. I think in some offices, but most offices call them an associate. So I started doing this when I was an associate, even before I became engagement manager. But I never ended up the article saying Michael is a associate in this office. No, I just said Michael is a strategy, is a strategy consultant specializing in risk, in corporate risk. That's it. I didn't put in a title, but not putting in a title and doing work that was only expected of partners, people just assumed I was very senior. And I was called into all these meetings. In fact, I'll give you two examples of this. There was a, a work we were doing in an Asian developing economy, and the country was doing pretty badly, and they were about to join a major free trade agreement. And the partner managing it saw it as a signature engagement for the firm. So he 
He reached out to his entire network and said, who are the best people we have to staff onto this? And somehow they had heard about the work I'm doing. And I remember very clearly the call starts and this is a very senior partner. Everyone knows him, very hard to work with him. Call begins and the first thing he does and everyone from all over the world is there, right? Everyone's dialed in. They all want to be on this project. It's an important engagement. And actually it goes on to be a very successful engagement for the firm because that country becomes very successful by implementing the the ideas and the strategy we develop so anyway everyone dials in and everyone's waiting for the partner they make, having making these jokes and so on the senior partner calls in from boston and his assistant firstly dials in and says okay the partner's going to dial in also called michael so michael we'll call him michael too dials in and he say and he, you know, he says hey everyone you know at the airport so i want to thank everyone for being on the call before we begin i just want to make sure that michael me is on the call so i'm just an associate but this is the most senior partner working on one of the most signature projects of the firm is asking for me. That's the power of writing, not a lot, but writing with focus, which I'll get to in a, in a minute. The other time is we were doing a, the firm has always wanted to do work in Chile. Now we're big in Chile and we do a lot of work in Chile. But when I started, we weren't doing a lot of work in Chile. And Chile is big in resources, right? Copper and so on. So again, the uh, chief operating officer of a very important client we want to serve is not having a good experience with the current consulting firm. And he knows the senior partner we have working out of Miami that's serving Chile. And the senior partner gives this client the book we wrote, or well, the book I wrote. I like to say we, because that's the way we train to speak, right? And the chief operating officer says, you know, this is quite interesting. I never heard about this. You know, do, do you think I can speak to this partner. They just think I'm a partner. I'm not a partner. And the partner says, yeah, why don't we just uh, set up a call? And I say, why don't we do something better? Let's set up a workshop. Ask the chief operating officer to come in with his team. And I'll be happy to spend a day talking them through what I think are the issues in the resources sector. So we spend a day with a client we want to serve, talking through all of the issues. I was doing case studies of other big companies I'd been involved in on the strategy side of turnarounds and we did this wonderful workshop and eventually the chief operating officer and the senior partner became good friends because of the work I'd done. I also became a good friend with that chief operating officer. We didn't do work immediately but three months later we were doing work for them and we didn't do all the work. Other consulting firms were there but this became one of our most important clients. So you can see how the book does things. Right? But you can see the control. It's not just about what I want. It's about mobilizing the company, changing things. It's about setting the agenda, setting the focus. Not because I'm forcing anything. I'm not forcing anyone to do anyone. Because there's a vacuum of written quality content, you automatically get attention when you do it. I didn't have to force anyone to do anything. Because I was writing about something where not many people were writing about and because I, I think I was writing something good and because the firm was kind enough to support me by publishing it as a book for internal use, it got attention. So that's the impact on the firm. But what about the impact on me, right? Because that's what you have to think about. Well, the impact on me changed significantly because previously, if I wanted to move my career forward, the only way to move my career forward was to talk to people that I knew in the offices I knew. And if someone didn't like me, or if I had done a bad project at some point, or someone thought I did something wrong, even if I didn't do it, I was stuck. I was stuck whereby the, the acceleration of my career was driven by the momentum of the quality of the networks I had with the people around me. And if someone thought I wasn't good, 
And not because of the work I did, but just because they didn't like me or they thought I didn't go to an elite school like some of the Harvard graduates and so on. I couldn't get onto the major engagements. So the first thing it did is it is it punctured this barrier that exists for all of us. I didn't have to worry about people that didn't like me because people from all over the world were writing to me. Not just clients, but also internal partners from all over the world were giving my book and my articles to clients and saying, hey, can you be on the call? Our team wants to understand this. Do you mind coming to New York? I remember once I was driving, I was actually driving, looking for seafood on a Saturday morning and I get a call from a senior partner saying, what are you doing? Do you want to go to New York tonight? We've got a meeting on Monday, so we need to fly tonight. And I said, I'll be there, right? But that's that's the power. It's, it's the most powerful advertising and marketing in the world. Because I don't have to have coffee discussions with people. I don't have to force myself on anyone. People are coming to us. That's the first thing. The second thing is that I don't have to worry about my title. See, a title is what the firm gives you. The quality of your thinking and your work is how people judge you. And if people read your work and say, wow, this person thinks like a partner, they start treating you like a partner. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If clients think you're like a partner, if other parts of the firm treat you like a partner, then you automatically become a partner. You start being called into partner meetings. You start being given partner opportunities. And I remember there was this executive assistant in the New York office, when I went in for a meeting in New York, she went up and looked up my title. And for whatever reason, this lady liked to tell people, well, Michael is an associate, which was very damaging for me. People didn't know I was an associate. They spoke to me, they listened to what I had to say, and they felt based on the quality of what I was saying, I was a partner. But this lady, for some reason, liked to tell people, yes, she liked hierarchy. And there's gonna be people like that, but the point is, that you can see the fact that there was someone trying to do this shows you that the level at which I was operating was far and above what was available. So opportunities opened up in a significant way. I didn't have to worry about the local staffing office because if they didn't want me and put me on something, there was a, at least 15 other officers who would want to work with me. And I could pick and choose. That's the important thing. I could pick and choose. I only, If you follow partnership member and so on, you know I only serve seven clients. I don't serve more than seven clients and explain the logic. If you look at the sales program we have coming up, it's going to be coming up soon. We have a major new sales program coming up. I talk about why I have seven clients only and why you should not have more than seven clients and how you use that to get more clients. So this is about my career, a significant change. People saw me as a partner. I got treated as a partner and I got rapidly promoted to be a partner because clients wanted to work with me. And when a client says, I want to work with this guy and I'll only work with this guy. Things change. In fact, there was one of the largest transport state-owned companies in the world. I remember at the end of the engagement, the feedback they gave the senior partner is that the reason we hired you is because of Michael. And we were disappointed that he only came in from important meetings, but he wasn't there often and we couldn't have more access to him. So you could think about that, right? This is an important client to the firm, bills tens of millions of dollars. And the most important feedback from the most senior client is we want to spend more time with Michael because we like his thinking. We read what he had written. It made a lot of sense to us, but we want to spend more time with him. And not more time with me working on the project. No, more time with me working with the executive team, which means that's the partnership level. So that's the impact on me and my career. Next, I want to talk about the mechanics of how all of this happened, because that's also important, right? So how did this start off? This started off one day when I was sitting in someone's house 
and waiting for someone. This was around Christmas time. I had nothing to do. I always take my laptop with me just in case I have some ideas. I pull out my laptop and I'm waiting for someone. I'm sitting underneath a Christmas tree and what is like a futon. It's not even very comfortable. And I write a very short memo to a client about how global trade is working, the risks in global trade. And I send it to the client. The client loves it. And then I send it to other clients and they also like it. And then I send it to one of the senior partners. And it's a bit of a controversial piece. As you will know that all pieces have to be a little bit controversial because you must be saying something that other people are not saying. If you're saying something that everyone is saying, then why write it in the first place? So controversy maybe, but a better way, a more professional word for controversy is you need to have a point of view that's unique. This one article is the article. It's not even long enough to be a chapter in a book, but it was extended because clients wanted to know more about this concept. This is the one that put me on the map. This is the one that all the partners started sharing with all of their clients, not all the partners, but many partners started sharing with all of their clients. Clients started calling me in to discuss this. When you think about writing this, it's an example, this is an actual example where I wrote this in about one and a half hours sitting underneath a Christmas tree in someone else's house in a futon. Most of the pieces I wrote were about two pages long maximum, usually one page long for a client. It's a memo to a client. They're short, they're not 15 pages. Later on, I made them longer because they made sense to make them longer. They're also in an essay format. This is an important thing to understand. None of them had diagrams in them. I want you to think about that for a second. Even Bill Madisoni, you know, the former senior partner of McKinsey, who ran the McKinsey Quarterly and McKinsey's global marketing function, good friend of mine, he also talks about this. The most powerful way to communicate is to write in the opinion section of the Financial Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times. And many people say, but Michael, I don't want to write an opinion piece. Anything a professional writes, if it's not the news, it's an opinion piece. If you go to any of these newspapers, they have two sections. They have news and opinion. There's nothing else. There's not a section called facts or expert. Think about that carefully. It's news and opinion because you can either only write the news or you can interpret the news or interpret news is facts. So you can interpret facts, which is opinion. But they don't list a, a column of figures for you. Then no, they write out a story, which is news and facts. Then they can bring in an expert like Paul Krugman, who's a Nobel Prize laureate, and he will write a piece, but that appears in the opinion section of the New York Times. You can bring in another Nobel laureate like Robert Solow, Nobel laureate in economics, and he will write an opinion section in the Wall Street Journal. So all of these are opinion pieces. And you, as a professional, you are writing an opinion piece. You're an expert writing an opinion piece. And why it's an opinion piece? Why is it not anything else? Because it's not the news. You're not reporting the news. You are writing your view on a set of facts that have been presented. An opinion piece is not a negative thing. It's extremely powerful because it's written in a slightly personal way. You can write in a, in a more depersonalized way, but it doesn't change the fact it's still an opinion. So when you're writing this and you want to put a lot of diagrams and a lot of things, I've never actually done that. All my pieces are well thought out, simple, powerful opinion pieces. So I wrote these memos to clients. There weren't many. I wrote maybe 15, 20 of them. I think it was 15. Of those 15, I think two became extremely influential within the firm. So just two of them. The firm liked it. They asked me to expand it. When the head of the mining practice got so excited about everything I was doing, he brought in the marketing team and said, hey, this is very good. Would you want to publish this? Because firms want to publish things. So I said, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Now, of course, if you just write one article, they're not going to give you the kind of support you need. But I had 15 pieces and clients liked what I was saying. So the firm said, okay, clients like it. So let's publish it. 
So those 15 articles became two books. And those two books then changed my entire career. And the books didn't just change my career, just the act of writing and setting the agenda and putting down my thoughts on paper. Was every article good? No, some of them are so technical that I, I look at them today and I'm quite embarrassed I wrote them. I could have written them better. But here's the thing. You become a writer by writing. You can't say I'm going to practice becoming a writer, then I'll write. You'll never become a good writer. You have to put down your thoughts on paper. Maybe the first ones will be bad. Maybe the second one will be better. Maybe the third one will be the one. But it's a portfolio. One piece may not make it. It may not break through. Maybe the, next, the first one will make it. But they all impact some client in some way. And you think about it. If one client read my worst article and said he wants to work with me, even if that one thing is to refer to another client, it pays for itself. So I know the power of just writing articles. I know the power of books. And you don't have to be a senior person to have something intelligent to say. A junior person is not an unimportant person. They're just someone who's a specialist at a certain function. Think about it. An associate is a specialist at something that only an associate can do that a partner cannot do. But nothing stops you from writing in a powerful, thoughtful way. No one says you're a junior person. You can't write something intelligent. Nobody ever says that. It's only the, the decisions you make and the barriers you create in your mind. So I wrote these things to clients. So why did I send it to clients? I sent it to clients because I want to validate it. I don't want to spend two years working on something involved lots of money and time and then send it to a client and realize it doesn't work. No, I write it, send it to a client. The client likes it, calls me and we talk about it, leads to work, it's validated. I can then go back and update the memo based on things I've learned from doing the project and send it to another client. But then I did something even bigger that really changed my career. Remember I said two articles did it. One was global trade and risk. The other one was around risk on balance sheets. I co-wrote that with a client. Now that's very powerful because if you co-write something with a client, the client has ownership of it. The client defends you. You don't have to tell, if client X co-wrote this with you, client A, B, C, D, E, F, G is never going to ask you anything about the work. Well, obviously it must work because here's a validation of one of our peers co-writing this with you. Now, do you have to co-write everything with a client? No, but if you can, it will be amazing. But you have to get there. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process, right? You gotta write a few pieces, get better, test it and so on. But you don't have to test it with clients. If you know it works, publish it as a book. Publish it as a chapter in a book. If you want to change your career, publishing and writing is the way to go. I know that because it works for me. It's worked for many clients I have, executive clients and so on. Just about everyone I've worked with who I've encouraged them to write and I've helped them do it, they've seen exponential growth in their careers. It, they, they become new people. It's like the example where I'm an associate and the most senior partner calling in from the airport doesn't worry whether anyone else is on the call. He's asking if I'm on the call. That's the power of writing. It changes who you are. When, you are, when you're thinking about writing, don't think that I'm an associate or I'm a partner and this is who I am. And if I write, nobody wants to read. No, if you write, you will not be that person anymore. You'll be a new person with a new power and a new perspective and people will come to you. And when people want to work with you, you have the power. You have power. Nobody can fire you if clients want to work with you. Nobody can say, hey, Michael's only an associate. Why is he flying with the partners? Why is he at a partner-only conference? The clients want me there. I'm not saying that to you know, show off. I'm just giving you an example. It's the, it's the only way I can show you the power is by telling you things I've been through. There's no other way for me to do it. But I want you to think about that. And if, if you follow the work I've done and the programs I've put out and so on, you've seen the, the way I think about things. 
And that's what I want for you. I want you to have a better career. I want you to have a better life. I want you to serve the world. And I want you to be the best you can be. And writing and publishing is the way to do that, provided you have the right team behind you. And that's what we're trying to do for you. Give you a level playing field by being that team that you need so that you can focus on being the person that clients call and ask for and insist that you be in that meeting. It's not about writing a book. It's not about writing about a chapter. It's about getting the call where people want you in that meeting or they're going to cancel the meeting. That's the end game here. And that's how I want you to think about it. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing, and the only way to get samples of our content is to join the list on firmsconsulting.com. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.